Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how's it going today? Oh, it's going fantastic today, Tim. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Every once in a while, we like to bring these weird stories to the table, discuss what we're calling uh, these things that happen in the weird space. So a little bit of a take on Crawl Space. This is weird space. We haven't done it in a while, and it's always nice to just bring it back. You know, every once in a while, we're like, hey, what do you got? What do you got for links? What do you got for stories out there? So <laughs> super excited to have this fun conversation. I think the uh, listeners will love it. But Tim, the listeners will also love knowing how you are today. I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. Yeah, I'm excited. I love these Weird Space episodes. I follow weird news regularly in my in my life anyway. Um, and oftentimes when I see a weird story, I will click on it and I will have some thoughts about it. And so that's pretty much what we're doing here today. We've got seven stories that we're going to go through pretty quick. They all fit a weird variety of, uh, of spaces uh, for this show. So... We're going to talk about those in just a moment, but before we do, we got to let you know about our subscription service. We're now on Apple Podcasts, so you can subscribe to Crawl Space Premium on Apple Podcasts, but if you're not on Apple, don't worry about it. You can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for the same product there. It's $4.99 a month. You get early releases, ad-free episodes, and our bonus show that everybody loves. And also follow us on social media at Crawlspace Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. And Tim, before we break for commercials and come back with our Weird Space episode, we did promise our good friend Susan, shout out Susan, that we would give a little bit of a PSA here. The weather all over the country is unpredictable, especially in the South and the Southwest. They're having record cold temperatures, so we just want to remind people, if you're animal lovers, if you're pet lovers, make sure to keep your pets safe inside, and when you do take them out, make sure that you just ensure that they're properly covered and they don't freeze. So there you go. We just wanted to make sure that people knew that. It's on our minds as well, and we will be right back after these commercials with our episode of Weird Space. So our first story, Lance, is about the actor formerly known as James Bond, one of the actors formerly known as James Bond. Roger Moore. <laughs> no, no, it's Pierce Brosnan. He's 70 years old now. He's got a court date on January 23rd, 2024, where he faces possible jail time. Can you believe this? Could Can James Bond possibly be sent to jail? I thought you were going to say, can you believe that he's 70? First of all, this is... <laughs> One of the uh, handful of individuals on my man crush list. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are. Uh, I think I fell in love with him when I saw that picture of him at the airport just carrying a basic bag and, and just looking very cool with his uh, outfit on. And I was just like, damn, that is a good looking dude. And this is probably like maybe six or seven years ago. So he was in his probably mid 60s at the time. But Tim, I can't fathom what on earth... Pierce Brosnan would have done to have set himself up for possible jail time. Well, we'll tell you here, he actually went traipsing around Yellowstone National Park and specifically in thermal areas that are, he's, he doesn't belong in. And uh, so he's actually facing citations of, quote, foot travel in all thermal areas and within Yellowstone Canyon confined to trails and... 
violate enclosures and use limits. That's what the court records show. And these files were uh, were filed in Wyoming. And they are criminal charges. Federal law states foot travel in all thermal areas and within the Yellowstone Canyon between the Upper Falls and Inspiration Point must be confined to boardwalks or trails that are maintained for such travel and are marked by official signs. So the concern here is that they don't want people entering into these dangerous areas for their own safety for the most part. So this isn't like he physically harmed somebody. This wasn't like he defaced property or did anything of that criminal nature. This is essentially trespassing. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, so he went too close to hot springs, I guess. And uh, the park says that hot springs have injured or killed more people in Yellowstone than any other natural feature. And more than 20 people have died after entering or accidentally falling into Yellowstone's hot springs, according to the park, because certain thermal pools can reach deadly temperatures of over 150 degrees Fahrenheit. I see. So Pierce Brosnan knew that these things existed. Apparently, there are multiple signs and warnings online and in the print versions of their maps and trails. But he probably wanted to go in there to sit in some of these hot springs. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a little unclear whether or not he was trying to hang out there. But this sort of comes on the heels of a guy named Jason D. Wicks, who's 49 from Michigan, and he was arraigned in federal court on August 23rd, 2023, and he faced criminal charges in, in the same way because he was actually drunk and he went into the hot springs and apparently burnt himself. And uh, the incident remains under investigation. Trial date has not been set uh, yet, but he is banned from Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks until these charges have uh, will be resolved. So, yeah, there's there's definitely some precedent about this. Uh, maybe Pierce Brosnan didn't know how serious these charges would have been, but. Not wise. Yeah, I think that's the case. I, I think if he had known or if anybody who violates these laws, probably they're not expecting a jail time. They're probably expecting, what am I going to get a fine, a warning or something? Maybe they'll you know, say, I'm, I'm not allowed back on the property. But I don't think any of them are really expecting jail time. And it does seem like this is something where people maybe go to and they, they can use it as sort of a bragging point. Like I, I, I was in the hot springs in Yellowstone. Yeah, you know, people know like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But I don't know if I would ever do that. I mean, I, maybe, maybe in my, I mean, I'm not smart now, but maybe when I was even less smart in my early 20s or something, I, I would do it. But while they do seem beautiful, it's just not my thing to like sit in a bunch of warm water. Have you ever done hot springs? Uh, I don't think I've actually done hot springs, but um, I mean, they're produced by the emergence of geothermally heated groundwater onto the surface of the earth. Well, I'm just quick (laughs) at the Google, but uh, basically what I'm saying is it's dangerous. There's supposedly a super volcano under Yellowstone anyway, like, and you're just playing with fire if you're messing around, especially in an area you're not supposed to be in Yellowstone. And you're like, oh, that's a hot spring. Let me try that. That's ridiculous yeah you're playing with magma to be uh (laughs) relevant but i i have actually been in hot springs in costa rica Mm -hmm. my friends and i went there when we were in our early 20s and we went to multiple hot springs that were within this one public park and it was at the base of a volcano and we actually saw the volcano erupt which was crazy oh boy 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a huge eruption. Did you run out of the hot springs? We did run out of the hot springs to see the volcano because people were saying the volcano is erupting, but we didn't run out because it was dangerous at all. You could see it, right. was, at a, it was very far away, and it was all set up in a, in a way where this was like a tourist attraction. It was like a, yeah. I don't want to say resort, but it was like a theme park almost. I see. With hot springs. But I, I didn't enjoy it. Like, I don't enjoy sitting in like warm water. Well, it's more natural and healing, supposedly, than uh, like a hot tub or something. So oh, I think, for I think sure. I'd like it more than that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like it more than a hot tub. But my question is, what is Pierce Brosnan uh, doing here? Is, is this some kind of audition for the hit show Yellowstone? Like, is he trying to make make headlines along with the word Yellowstone so that uh, people either think he's on that show or maybe, hey, that's an in to get on the show? Because that show is apparently uh, taking over the world. Well, yeah, maybe he wants to replace Kevin Costner. <laughs> Do you think Kevin Costner's upset about this? Do you think he senses this? No, no. I think Kevin Costner is done with Yellowstone. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He, he's pretty much done with Yellowstone. He's got that two-part Western movie that he has been working on for a few years now. Is that not a Yellowstone movie? It's not a Yellowstone movie, no. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So actually, when I first saw this headline about Pierce Brosnan, and I thought it was like I did make that association. It was Pierce Brosnan, right. Yellowstone. I, those are the key words that stood out. So I did think that this was a connection to the series and he was going to enter in as like the character, not replacing Kevin Costner, but the star power character <laughs> he should do that they should recreate what he really did on on the show yellowstone he should stumble in and be like oh that's a good looking hot spring i'm gonna jump right and then he gets arrested big time drama that might be a good storyline yeah <laughs> yeah big time drama and everybody's telling him uh i'm gonna say his name is uh billy everyone's telling him billy you can't there's signs everywhere there's there's <laughs> regulation you can get arrested and he goes, <laughs> arrested. <laughs> they can't arrest James Bond. They can't arrest Billy Bond. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lance. And so that that brings us to our second story where we're going to stay out west. Yeah. And this story is about a giant Volkswagen Beetle-sized tumbleweed that was spotted hurtling its way down a four-lane road in California recently. I guess this is uh, in November, and the video is uh, was posted to Twitter, and uh, it just says the mother of all tumbleweeds in Spanish, and uh, yeah, it it is an enormous tumbleweed, and it got me doing some googling and and some thinking. At first, it was funny, but I didn't realize how much of a danger these tumbleweeds could be. I didn't realize what a tumbleweed was until we saw this story. And same, I Googled it. I was looking into it and I learned a lot about tumbleweeds in a very short period of time <laughs> and how, yes, you're right. They're, they're dangerous. Like you could get trapped inside your home. There have been stories of people who have had a tumbleweed outside of their door or outside of their car door. And they're not able to open the door fully and to like work your way through this like thorny thistle is is dangerous yeah and and not just one sometimes it's it's like an attack of them yeah so a tumbleweed is a diaspore and this is from wikipedia that uh once it's mature and dry detaches from its root or stem and rolls due to the force of the wind and then it it disperses its seed yes that's actually part of its life cycle mm -hmm. and it's 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 essentially like seeding the soil as it's rolling which i thought was really fascinating because it's actually serving a purpose as it's doing this uh 
I guess, tropey thing that you see in movies and, and, you know, people will say like, there's, it's a ghost town and there's a tumbleweed going through it, you know, like tumbleweeds in here, but you don't realize hey, this thing's actually serving a purpose here. Right. Well, yeah, it's ser- serving its own purpose, but it's kind of like an invasive oh, it's, exactly. thing. It's not really great for humans. And in fact, have you heard of Tumblegeddon, Lance? Oh, please. In 2020, a swarm of tumbleweeds took over a stretch of Washington State Highway, and these tumbleweeds piled up to 30 feet high in some places. Cars and trucks were trapped for hours, and authorities dubbed it Tumblegeddon. Yeah, it's pretty wild. There, there's some more stories of this, too. Happened on New Year's Eve at one point where people actually rang in the new year being trapped inside their cars and they were later uh, rescued. (laughs) Also, I watched a video of houses disappearing uh, basically with uh, like, I don't know, dozens of tumbleweeds all over the, uh, the lawn and the house. And they need like legit, like construction crews almost to, uh, to get rid of them. This was really reminiscent of the, molasses flood in boston that we covered a while ago where yeah. you hear about it the first time and it's kind of funny and when you start reading the details you realize that this isn't funny at all this is terrifying and tragic this felt like along the same lines where a tumbleweed just felt like this goofy thing like it's just bouncing along and then you hear these stories about these like tumble tumblegeddons and and how people are trapped and it's a life-threatening situation But, Tim, not all tumbleweeds are bad. I didn't realize until looking into this that tumbleweeds are actually edible. Did you know this? (laughs) I did not know this. They're edible. It can be cooked in the same way when the plant is young. It can be cooked in the same way that you'd cook collard greens. So I'm guessing, (laughs) you know, sort of sautéing this tumbleweed. All right. (laughs) And during the Dust Bowl of the 1930s, America's cattle were actually saved from starvation because they were able to eat this tumbleweed that w- that was everywhere. So, wow. I mean, they they saved America's cattle. So, I'm just <laughs> saying, you you got the good and the bad here. True. True. That's that's interesting. I I can't see myself uh trying one necessarily, but hey, I don't know. Uh I haven't been in uh in that kind of climate in a while, maybe it's a delicacy in some restaurants. <laughs> and my last fact that I found out about these tumbleweeds is you're familiar, Tim, at the ground zero of Southern Nevada's nuclear test sites, right? Sure. Well, tumbleweeds are always the first plants to grow back after they test a nuclear explosion. I can't say that surprises me because it just looks like, you know, like scraggly, you know, dead grass anyway. Well, that's a good segue. Yes, yes, it is. So our third story here, and again, we're going to stay out west. This is in Colorado. The owners of a Colorado funeral home were arrested in early November 2023 after nearly 200 decaying corpses were found improperly stored at their facility. Why do I feel like we hear these stories a couple of times a year? There are stories like this often. Um, I feel like maybe the problem can can get out of hand for for uh, some people, but I'm really curious about John and Carrie Halford's intentions when they started the Return to Nature funeral home, which I can only picture as kind of an ironic title now. 
but they were arrested on four felony charges, including abuse of a corpse, theft, money laundering, and forgery. According to a statement from the district attorney for Colorado's 4th Judicial District. And they're being held on bonds set at $2 million. And it, this is a very disturbing story, too. There are facts that, um, that the investigators didn't really want to talk about with the media or even in court because it's, uh, it's kind of so, I don't know, I guess gruesome and disturbing. But we'll go over a little bit of it. Actually, Carrie Halford was in court on Friday, January 12th, when a judge agreed to unseal an affidavit for one of the, uh, the funeral home owners where, uh, where these bodies were found. Although the judge ordered that the affidavit cannot include names, images, and dates of death to protect the victims and their families. But they're basically accused of accepting payment from families of the deceased for cremations and then piling bodies on top of each other in the facility. And they even gave families falsified death certificates and bags of concrete powder in place of their actual loved one's ashes. And then they forged death certificates. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was wondering if this was something that they had planned from the start as like a fraud, like a scam, or if it sort of developed into something when they realized... I don't know, maybe they weren't capable of doing certain things or they realized, hey, we can make a lot of money. We don't actually have to do the things that a normal funeral home would do with the bodies. So I, I was curious about that. If they entered into this with the intent to fraud and dupe their their clientele. Well, I'll I'll tell you this. I think the funeral home opened in 2019 and in court there were some text exchanges that were uh, between the couple that were introduced in court as evidence, some of them dating all the way back to 2020. And so in one exchange, John Halford messaged his wife that they needed to begin restoring the building in Penrose. And he says, options, A, build a new machine ASAP, which there's no no explanation of what machine he's talking about. B, dig a big hole and use lye to, I guess, decompose the bodies. But then he says, where? Question mark. C, dig a small hole and build a large fire. Where? Once again, ask that question. And then he says, D, I go to prison, which is probably going to happen. <sighs> Not a very smart move to be sending those as text messages with it on your mind that you could possibly be going to prison. Yeah, I can only imagine he was somewhat joking about that, but still, he it's pretty clear in those early text messages that they knew they were doing something illegal. Yeah, they knew that they were doing something illegal at that point. Again, I'm still wondering, did it just snowball from an incident that happened one time and then they realize if we do this numerous times, then it's an easy way to make money? And then all of a sudden they have all of these bodies, like almost 200 bodies. Well, we haven't heard their defense yet, but yeah. uh, I, I would imagine there's some there's some defense that, uh, you know, starts with uh, them wanting, you know, needing money and starting a new business or something like that. But this is really the grossest part here. This is from another text message from John. He says, I want to take a shower as soon as I get back, because while I was making the transfer, I got people juice on me. Oh, God. Yeah. And then he says, want the double cheeseburger lettuce wrapped in everything minus tomatoes, please. In the same text. 
Uh, well, nothing nothing makes me crave a, a burger more than people juice. <laughs> yeah, so investigators who entered the funeral home last fall testified that they found stacks of partially covered human remains, bodily fluids several inches deep on the floor, along with uh, flies and maggots. Nauseating. It, it is. Nearly two dozen of the bodies had death dates from 2019. 61 were from 2020. 16 from 22. And 40 were from 23. And this includes adults, infants, and fetuses. And the building was apparently 70 degrees at the time investigators went in when it should have been around 35 to 39 degrees. This is one part that is really upsetting. The remains of a U.S. Army sergeant who was supposed to be buried at Pikes Peak National Cemetery, his remains were actually found inside the building, which led investigators to exhume the casket of whom they said was this Army sergeant. And inside they found a woman inside the military casket. Right. So it's just it's just something that's out of control. It gets out of control at some point, and they're not even trying to to make it function as a as a functional funeral home. Yeah, it's bad. That's that's bad. Yeah, a lot of people are blaming the state of Colorado for this as well because they have horrible regulations when it comes to licensing funeral parlors, funeral homes, funeral directors, and some of them don't even have like the same standards or certificates needed that other states have. So I think that's one of the reasons why this keeps happening. Apparently, after looking into this, it keeps happening in Colorado. So it's a, an easy way to to uh, to fraud people because people need a funeral. Everyone dies. You know, people need to have that facility if your loved one has passed. So just, like, tighten up the regulations. Yeah, th- there's probably something they, they got to do there in Colorado. Um, yeah, it seems like these the Halfords here sort of dove through these loopholes um, headfirst and uh, and tried to get away with it. But, um, yeah, that, that is just disturbing. And uh, I feel sorry for the, the family, the families who um, who enlisted the help of this uh, this funeral home. I know. Right. Like, imagine that. You, you've contracted this funeral home. One of your family members has passed. And now you have no option but to move on, you know, and you're not going to have that moment again where you can have the proper wake or funeral for that person. So what do you do? You, all you All you know now is your loved one is one of the 190 that was stacked and, and just decomposing. Unbelievable. And again, the, the name of the funeral home, Return to Nature Funeral Home. Like, uh, my God. Yeah. That's absolutely just absurd to me. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Well, from one ugly story to another, Lance, <laughs> there's a woman named Kathleen Murray in Tasmania, who won the award of World's Ugliest Lawn. And this is uh, according to the town of Gotland, Sweden, who organized this worldwide contest. And apparently the the contest started two years ago to encourage locals to conserve water amid a near-disastrous drought in the town. And this year the contest went global. So lawns in the U.S., Canada, Britain, Germany, France, and Croatia were all competing for these uh, these honors, but 
Kathleen Murray's lawn in Tasmania features sparse patches of yellow grass, shriveled plants, and dry divots caused by the local bandicoots. You got to love a local bandicoot. Bandicoot <laughs> is a, uh, I believe it's an endangered marsupial, but either way, they leave these divots all over all over the place and, and especially all over Kathleen's lawn. I love, love, love this story. It, it reminds me so much of the time capsule story, the lost time capsule story in Sheldon, Iowa that we covered last year because this notion of taking something that has been, I guess, like a negative thing for people with droughts and everything, but they, they, I love it when people have a sense of humor about something is what I'm trying to say. And, and this is definitely something that, comes with a large amount of humor. They have like an international jury panel from all over the world <laughs> that, that that judge this, which I, which I think is is amazing. And and the picture of Kathleen in her lawn is hilarious. She's got her t-shirt on that says the world's ugliest lawn. And she's so proud. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an ugly lawn. And Kathleen definitely has a good sense of humor too. Uh, she's got a funny a couple of funny quotes here. She says, "The bandicoots love digging. That's how they find their favorite food." Now my backyard looks like a real-life hungry hippo game. <laughs> hungry, <laughs> hungry hippo game. And then she goes on, I used to think the bandicoots were wildlife of mass destruction invading my lawn, but now I see that they're, they've actually liberated me from ever having to mow it again. <laughs> and she says, I'm all for guilt-free weekends, especially since my ex-husband left with the lawnmower back in 2016. It's hilarious. Good, good for you, <laughs> Kathleen. That's that's so funny. That's so funny. And that, that T-shirt that I mentioned is apparently a pre-owned T-shirt bearing the phrase proud owner of the world's ugliest lawn. So <laughs> okay, I think it's fantastic. I, do you know, did you see anything that shows how these lawns are discovered in the first place? No. Like, do people submit their lawns? I would have to imagine they're submitted. Yeah. Man, I might just uh, go and destroy my lawn to submit it. <laughs> So from uh, from one a- a- kind of animal to uh, to a reptile, Lance, there was a venomous snake found in a drawer recently, and uh, according to the New New York Post, this is actually the uh, the second most deadly venomous snake in the world, and so it's an eastern brown snake. They're fast moving, aggressive, and known for their bad temper, according to Australian Geographic. And they're native to eastern and central Australia, as well as New Guinea, and they can grow up to seven feet in length. And so that's what's ha- what happened recently. There was a venomous snake found in an underwear drawer of a, uh, a three-year-old kid. How? How does this happen? <laughs> Good question. Where, did, where does the snake come in from, and why is it now hiding out in a drawer? You know, maybe it's like a, it's a cool, dark space, so I imagine that's part of the allure of being in a drawer but i don't know so well this is australia right yes so there's a uh a snake catcher in australia who is called his name is mark pelly he's also known as the snake hunter famous (laughs) and uh so he was called to this home where this five foot eastern brown snake was in this woman's three-year-old son's underwear drawer and Apparently, what he believes is that she was doing laundry outside on the clothesline and folded the clothes and w- was unaware of the snake being in those clothes. 
when she brought in the clothes, folded them, and put them away in the drawer. And this guy, Pelly, says, I've seen people carry brown snakes in their handbag or otherwise shopping bags. One day this could happen to you. Well, it's it's definitely, definitely not going to happen to me. So I don't know who the you <laughs> is who he's referring to. But I think, surprisingly, this Mark Pelly guy became a more fascinating part of the story to me because he's a, a registered nurse. He's a mental health professional. He has a master's degree in mental health, a bachelor of psychology and management, and a bachelor of nursing. And he conducts private mental health assessments for court and workplaces. And he's also a registered immunization nurse who runs his own vaccine clinic called the Vaccine Nation. All while being a famous snake catcher. So as I was looking into this, I was like, who's this guy? He must be like this, you know, hyper fringy, like I was thinking crocodile hunter type guy, but he's not. It's it's almost like that's his hobby going to find these or it's almost like his hobby is rescuing and capturing these snakes. Right. How do you get into that going from the medical field? How did he learn that he was good at that? <laughs> I don't know. He has to come on crawl space. He's clearly branded himself as the snake hunter, which I have to imagine was directly inspired by the crocodile hunter. Um, but yeah, he's got his own site, snakehunter.com.au. Um, he's got a little bit of a TikTok following. So yeah, he's kind of out there as a, as a snake hunter type guy. Um, apparently, these eastern brown snakes are kind of lightweight as well. So that's how it could happen uh, without people noticing. Interesting. Oh, like folding it up in clothing? Yeah, I guess so. They weigh next to nothing, he says. One 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 minute you're just slithering along and the next you're in a drawer. I mean check out the video too. It's it is kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. I almost wanted to give like a trigger warning at the top of this. Yeah. Because people who have fear of snakes, like that's kind of debilitating. But are do you have a fear of snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> okay, indeed. No, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think I personally really have a fear of snakes, but I haven't really been dropped into a pit of them or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I really haven't had enough contact with them to have a fear. Like Yeah. I don't know, I'll see them. I think they're cool. Like how does how does that work? You know, how does all that mechanisms <laughs> how do all the mechanisms work to have it slither the way it does? Like all of those muscle contractions. I think that's a fascinating concept, a fascinating development of just a living thing. Yeah, I agree. And then they shed their skin. That's a, always yeah. kind of cool. It's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, like I'm looking over, like in the corner over there. Like if I saw a snake over there, I'd probably, I'd probably get on the horn to Mark. I say, "Crikey, bloke, what you want me to do about it? I'm over here in Australia. I'm in the land down under, <laughs> and I sound like I'm Cockney." <laughs> apologies. Yeah, apologies to apologies everyone. there. <laughs> But you can uh, follow him right on TikTok. He's got a bunch of like ice bath stuff too. Sorry, I'm just I'm just kind of obsessed with this guy now that he can. He's got so many things going on. <laughs> he does seem to have a lot of careers. And uh, Lance, that brings us to our next story about an escaping emu named Esmeralda who escaped from her Alabama home for the third time and was spotted running loose around town before returning to her home and. This is from January of 2023 in the town of Calera. You say emu, and I'm on board because they're amazing animals. Uh, you say escaped emu, 
and I'm even further interested. Esmeralda is a great name for an emu, but escaped for the third time, and I'm hooked. I'm in. <laughs> After the first time your emu escapes, don't you have a complete reassessment of their area and and ensure that this isn't going to happen again? And then after the second time. Yeah, I, I would think that's something you got to uh, sort of lock up a little bit more or fence up or whatever. Um, but the owner of Esmeralda and her sister, Ursula. Love it. This owner's name is Sue Sanford. And Sue says that Esmeralda is the friendlier bird of the pair, but also the more adventurous one. And apparently the two sisters reportedly had a domestic dispute. And that resulted in Esmeralda making a swift exit from her home. So I think Esmeralda is, like you said, Esmeralda is the more friendly one, but I feel like she's the more empathetic one and things really affect her more because this is the third time and she just wants to leave these situations that upset her, which is kind of sad. So I, I feel like her sister should, you know, maybe reflect on this and think to herself, hey, what if something bad happens to my sister because I'm provoking her to leave? I'm, I'm starting uh, this, this domestic situation. And, you know, after all, come on, this is, this is blood relations here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Esmeralda had previously escaped a few years ago and became a local celebrity when she escaped for a second time this past December. And then she just did it again. And Sue says, I get a lot of comments because now she's very well known from December. So, of course, right away, people say, not again. And Esmeralda's latest escape proved short-lived as she uh, did return home on her own, which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, it feels like Esmeralda wanted to reconcile with her sister and wanted to sort of join the flock again. Um, probably cooled down a little bit. Like my personal opinion, like I said, is that she's the more empathetic or emotional one. So she just needed to like blow off some steam. Yeah, I think so. That's what the city said in its uh, update to its Facebook post. They said after reflecting on her actions while she was on the run, she decided that she should remain with her sister in the flock together. (laughs) And so hopefully they uh, reconciled their differences, Esmeralda and Ursula. I hope so. I hope so. I was curious about whether having an emu as a pet was even a good thing in the first place. And apparently it's a really good thing and it's recommended that you have more than one. So you need two or three, you need to make sure that there's a flock. So they're social and happy. Yeah. So I think so they're social. So they have uh, a good disposition. They're able to interact with each other. I guess just the way it would be with any other pet, like the more they interact with other animals, the better that they'll be, the calmer they'll be, the healthier they'll be. I think it's time we introduce a, a, an emu here to the household and see if Eric will <laughs> take to the to the emu. Yeah, you need at least two. I mean, that's pretty much the same reasons why we had a second kid over here, Lance. Similar to an emu. <laughs> and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. 
And uh, so if you weren't too grossed out about the funeral home story earlier, you will be with our final story here about an exploding toilet at a Florida Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. I was thinking about how to like intro this story. Like, <laughs> hey, yeah. Tim, you love your Dunkin'. You love your Dunkin' coffee. You love your- Yeah, you not dr- really. I don't either. Yeah, so that that wasn't a that wasn't a a, a proper intro to the story. Uh, they're also doing this weird ad campaign that is taking the guilt out of drinking iced coffee in the winter in New England. Have you heard this ad campaign? It's not going to land with me because I have no guilt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink an iced coffee if I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm probably going to get an iced coffee in the winter, summer, spring, or fall. Don't matter. Nor should you have guilt about it. Yeah. I think that's you you nailed it. That's my problem with this ad campaign. We'll get back to the exploding toilet in a second, but <laughs> that's my problem with this ad campaign is that they're introducing guilt that was never there in the first place. So now people who didn't have guilt, there's probably a percentage of them who will say, "Oh, was I even supposed to be feel guilty about this? I didn't I didn't think that this was even a thing." But apparently someone in their marketing department thought that this was a good ad campaign. I don't know, to me even of a, a Duncan's in Florida seems a little out of place. And I know that they took forever to move West and they eventually moved all the way to California, some of them, but, um, or a few anyway. Um, but I don't know. It, it does still feel a little bit out of place to me. So this fella, Paul Kerouac is seeking more than a hundred thousand dollars in a lawsuit that he filed recently in state court in Orlando. And he claims he suffered quote, severe and long-term injuries end quote, following the explosion of a toilet in the men's room of a Duncan in winter park, Florida, <laughs> a little over a year ago. I mean, it goes without saying that this exploding toilet did cover him with parts of the toilet, also feces, urine. Yeah, so what I'm wondering is how it exploded. Like maybe, you know, a sewage backup or something like that, but it sounds like part of the toilet flew yeah. off too. Like did someone put like a bomb in there? Like, a, you know, <laughs> firecrackers? Or uh, was this um, just like a sewage backup that was going to happen at some point no matter what? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. It's It's interesting right like there's probably a ton of gas that's being generated in the sewage system (laughs) and if there's a backup then this pressure is building and building and i and i imagined this moment where he flushed and for whatever reason that was what triggered it but maybe it opened up a gas pocket or something but that's like porcelain that has to be like a powerful explosion that's just naturally generated you know what i mean like if it wasn't some sort of like cherry bomb or something or some introduced explosive device, this is a natural, naturally generated gas explosion. So the toilet farted is what you're saying. The, it's, I wasn't thinking about it in those terms, but I think that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> and you don't want to be, apparently, you don't want to be around a toilet when it farts. Sorry, good listeners. Yeah. You know, what's weird about this story is an employee told Mr. Kerouac that they were aware of the pro and a quote, quote, problem with the toilet since there had been previous incidents. The lawsuit says there's no further explanation on what previous incidents there were. But the fact that there was a problem with the toilet and that there were previous incidents has has me believing that Mr. Kerouac is going to win his uh, his court case. Absolutely. And he should. Physical damage to his person is one thing, but is he ever walking in a public bathroom again? 
and not thinking about this? <laughs> is he ever walking in a public bathroom again, period? It does sound like it actually um, messed with him mentally. Oh, at least that's what his lawsuit's claiming. So it claims that he did suffer bodily injury, but he has required mental health care and counseling since the incident in January 2022, two years ago. Wow, wow. I'm sure his lawyer was like, go seek counseling ASAP. You need this yeah. counseling. We need to get that on the record and right. stay away from public toilets. Um, Dunkin' Donuts, which rebranded as Dunkin', is a huge company. And they mentioned that they are from Canton, Massachusetts, which I thought was like a dig at Massachusetts for some reason. I don't know why they had to put that in there. Like, like all crappy things happen and come from Massachusetts. I think it's just where the company started, right? Yeah, but I, I felt like I, I know I'm being irrational about it, but I just felt like it was a dig at Massachusetts because this is a Florida thing. And I feel like Florida's like, come on, enough. Like, you're always making fun of Florida. So here. <laughs> oh, just by the way, this, this it's not just us. You know, this company was from Massachusetts. It's a huge company. I'm, I, I don't know the numbers here, but I'm going to say a multi-billion dollar company. And I'm sure that this franchise owner in this particular store had a opportunity to bring in a plumber and and fix the problem with the toilet. Now, how much would that have possibly cost in comparison to what is being asked for in this lawsuit? It couldn't have cost more than a couple thousand dollars. Typically, these Dunkins have two bathrooms, so you could shut one down and only operate under with one restroom while this one's being fixed. So it really wouldn't have been like a big deal. Where did the drop in priorities, where did that happen here? Well, that's a great question. Um, now, I do know from having worked at a Dunkin' Donuts when I was 16 um, that some of them are corporate owned and some of them are franchises. So mm -hmm. this one maybe was a franchise sort of owned by a, a person independent, really, of the company. They kind of just like rent the the name Dunkin Donuts. Um, so maybe that's what was going on at this one and it wasn't a corporate one. I don't know. But um, being such a big company, as you mentioned, Lance, a multi-billion dollar company that Dunkin Donuts is, you'd think they'd have better coffee. I mean, the coffee is not good. Sorry, Dunkin fans out there. I'm not sorry. Coffee's not good. I'm not saying like I'm a coffee snob, but it's it's a tough drink. <laughs> and and stop it with the dark coffee. Just because your coffee is super dark doesn't mean it's good. Like at some point, it's just going to be tar. It's hot tar. Or iced tar. And that's why your toilets blow up.